Have you ever been told that you need a trust or have you ever read an article online that tells you about trust and makes you think that you need one? Well, we get this question all the time. Do I need a trust? And so what we've done today is we've brought on a very well-known estate planning attorney in the area. He's very knowledgeable about trusts. And that's what we're going to talk about today. His name is Chess Griffin. And we throw a bunch of questions at him regarding trust, why you may need one, why you may not need one, and everything around that. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I appreciate when the way um, Chess answers his questions. It's just easy to understand. So I agree with you, Merce. I think people are going to really like this one. It's going to be super educational. Um, before we get started, though, if you haven't had a chance, uh, check out our website, uh, pomwealth.net. You've got two places that I really recommend. One of those is the blog page. We have articles written on a tremendous amount of topics. Uh, we try to have something added to that every single week. Uh, also, the podcast page. The podcast page has all of the podcasts that you can listen to and subscribe to on whatever platform you listen to podcast, as well as... We have a couple of uh, things that we have that are complimentary. One of those is a master class called Three Keys to Secure Your Retirement. So check that out. But before we get started, we do have to do a quick disclosure. So Merce will handle that for us. That's right. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, contact your financial professional for advice specific to your situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stancil and Merce Tariq. Welcome everyone to our Monday interview podcast. We try our best on these Mondays to bring out uh, information that can help you plan for and live through retirement on a lot of different topics. And today is a topic that we get asked about all the time. Merce and I are always having folks ask questions around estate planning. And so we have brought back on, we've had him on uh, once before, back on uh, our uh, estate planning attorney that we feel is is just an expert in this field, uh, Chess Griffin. So Chess, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking with us and, and answering some of these, what could be very complicated questions. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on again, Raiden and Mers. It's always a real pleasure to be here. Great. So we're, we're just going to jump right in. Our, our topic today that we ask you to come on and answer questions for us and our, our listeners is all around this idea of trust. Uh, and I'm not talking about trusting an individual. I'm talking about the document that we would have, a, a an estate planning document that is called a trust. Yeah. And so we get that question all the time. People ask us, they'll say, hey, guys, do you think that I need a trust? Well, Merce and I are not uh, attorneys, and so we we give the best answer we can. We don't know. <laughs> and uh, here's some reasons you might have uh, as to why you might do it, but you need to go talk to somebody who is an attorney and could give you the better answer. So to get us started, could you give us just kind of, first of all, the overview of what is a trust? 
And I guess we might make some comparisons in there if you want, like the difference between a trust and a will, but could you give us a picture there? Sure, sure. Yeah, well, a trust is, um, it's, I like to describe it as a relationship between three people. Um, the person who sets it up, the person who it's intended to benefit, and the person who takes care of the situation. That's the grantor, the beneficiary, and the trustee. Let me give a simple example of what a trust is. If I see my brother one day and give him $20 and say, look, I'd like for you to hold this $20 and give it to my son the next day at the basketball game, that's a trust. That really is a trust. Um, my, I'm the grantor. I'm the one who set it up. My brother's the trustee. He's holding the $20, and my son is the beneficiary. Um, North Carolina law, like I think most states, recognize oral trusts. So it, it doesn't, doesn't even actually have to be in writing. But of course, in, a, in estate planning, um, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more reasons to set up a trust, a lot more detail. So we do put it in writing. And that is typically a revocable trust document. Um, and that, but essentially, a trust is a way to allow someone else to hold assets for yet another person often a child or, or some other fam, uh, family member. Gotcha. So, you know, when we, when we're talking about estate planning documents and we talked about this in, in the previous podcast that you're on with us, uh, one of our first ones, and um, we talked about absolutely required documents that in your opinion, which was kind of the will, the power of attorney, the living will, things like that, that the majority are going to need those. There may be some few exceptions to those three documents, but the majority should have those in place. The trust, though, it's kind of, you know, you, you may need it, you may not. It just depends on your specific situation. So can you just tell us, uh, you know, a few reasons as to why someone could, could start considering a trust in their overall estate plan? Sure. And, and you're right, uh, Murs. It's, um, those other three documents, I would say, are, are really essential for just about everybody, but the trust is more optional. Um, and so to answer your question, the, the, the most common scenarios I see uh, of when a trust might be helpful is when people say something like this to me, well, we want everything to go to each other and then our kids, but, <laughs> you know, fill in the blank. Um, you know, we want everything to go to the kids, but they're too young. Um, or we want everything to go to the kids, but one of them has got a serious drug problem and we don't want them to just get their inheritance because it will be spent on drugs. Or maybe one of the children is special needs and we don't want to disqualify them from Medicaid or Social Security disability. Or maybe people are concerned about their kids' marriages and they're worried about their adult children uh, getting a divorce and the inheritance being part of that divorce. All of those are sort of variations of the same theme, which is to say, you know, these are my final beneficiaries, the children, let's say, uh, but we're not quite comfortable with just giving everything to them outright, like a will can do, you know, and a lot of people do just stop at a will. A lot of people say, you know, I've got grown kids, they're all mature, they're doing well, we got no concerns of any kind, let's just keep it simple and let everything go to the kids. But when people have some other variation of that, like they're young or immature, or there's concerns about creditors or divorce, that's when a trust can really come in handy. It can kind of protect that inheritance and not just give them the keys of the kingdom right away, but set it up so 
someone else, the trustee can manage it over time and let the kids get it later. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, I always question whether or not I needed a trust, but then, you know, all of a sudden life changed. And for me, what that was is a divorce. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden now, and I had at the time a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old and it was kind of like, well, how does everything get administered prior? You kind of leave things to your wife. And then now you're going, well, no, I don't want to do it that way now. So having it go into a trust and then having trustees administer that for the young, my young children uh, made just so much sense to me to let it be kind of that, that no pressure off if I were to be remarried and no pressure on anybody as to make those decisions. We had kind of already right, done that. Right. And that's a, that's a really great uh, point, Raiden. And that's another classic example of a trust is is uh second marriages you know i mean i have a lot of clients uh who are in second marriages and maybe the two spouses have some joint assets but also some separate assets and maybe they have separate children you know from their prior marriages and a lot of times those folks will say well you know if i die i want to take care of my second spouse in some way but i also want to make sure that what i have ultimately goes back to my kids and their assets can go to their kids. That's that's fine. Well, a trust is really the way to do that because if you just leave everything outright to the to the new spouse, um, you know, hopefully they'll take care of your kids, but maybe not. Um, so, you know, a trust is a way to kind of extend the estate plan beyond uh, beyond death and make sure that it does what you ultimately want. Yeah. So, could you? Tell us then, explain what are the different types of trust. Um, and I know that this, that mean, I'm not asking for an all-inclusive list, but our main types of trust. Sure, sure. So the most common type of trust we set up are what are called revocable living trusts. So it would be a fourth document after the first three that MERS mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago. It would be an additional document. And it's essentially... Um, it's intended to provide, for the most part, these protections that we've been talking about for kids and spouses and all of that. So sort of the revocable living trust is kind of like the bread and butter. Um, the benefit of revocable living trust is because, so when we say a living trust, it means a trust that's in existence now, you know, when the person signs the document as opposed to a testamentary trust, which is a trust within a will, which doesn't exist until the will is probated after the person dies. The benefit of the living trust is some people choose to put assets in the trust ahead of time while they're still living, you know, to avoid probate. Um, and that's a different topic that we can get back to in a minute. But so the revocable living trust is probably the most common type that we do. Some people do these testamentary trusts within a will that I mentioned a moment ago. I don't think they're as flexible. I tend to not prefer them. Sometimes they're, they can be all right, but th there's, there's not a lot. There's nothing that they can do that a living trust can't do, but a living trust can do a whole lot more. Um, so uh, those, are, those are the most common. Sometimes people also set up irrevocable trusts, um, perhaps to hold life insurance. Sometimes people set up irrevocable charitable trusts if they want to make a big gift to a charity but also want to receive some income back or something like that. Um, so there's a lot of different types of trusts that are out there. There are some very specialized trusts, like trust to qualify for Medicaid, for example, is another one. 
um, a special needs trust for a disabled person. Um, now, sometimes these, these things can be within the one document. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have separate documents. You can have one living trust that accomplishes a lot of these different things all at once. But, um, but those are the most common types of, tr of trust. The revocable living trust is sort of the standard type of document we implement. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Gotcha. And so you mentioned a key term there, which, you know, us being in the business, we're pretty familiar with, but what some of our listeners uh, have heard the word probate, but really don't understand what that is. And, and uh, so could you give us an idea, just a, like a quick explanation of probate is and, and why, why, you know, it's always nice to be able to avoid that. And, and a trust does that in a lot of different ways, but why would you ever want to avoid probate? Sure, sure. And, and to sort of answer that, let me, com let me compare a trust to a will, because some people might say, well, you know, what's the difference there? I don't get the, I don't understand the distinction. Well, the will deals with transferring assets at death. Um, and that process of transferring assets at death is called probate. Um, so if someone has a house and they die, the house goes through the probate process to the heirs. And, um, and so that's why sometimes people who do not have young children or any of these other scenarios might say, you know, I'm perfectly fine with everything going through probate and going to the kids and, and just let them have it and keep the estate plan simple. But sometimes people might say, well, you know, I don't know if I really want this asset to go through the probate process because I'm concerned about the fees or I'm concerned about how long it will take to make that transfer happen. So, um, in those cases, some people set up a living trust to go ahead and transfer it into the transfer the asset in, into the trust now to avoid that probate process. But there's a lot of sort of nuances to all that, and it's hard to make a blanket statement to to you know to avoid probate in all cases. Um, I meet with people and discuss the pros and cons. There are some some disadvantages to trying to avoid probate. Believe it or not. Um, so, you know, we've kind of talked that through to see if it makes sense uh, in any particular case. So I told you earlier, I opened up in the in this particular uh, podcast talking about the fact that Merce and I get the question all the time, should I get a trust? And you went through a nice list of some reasons why a person might need a trust. But if somebody's just trying to think that through, I guess we might take the, the case on the other side, it, it, however you would rather explain it. But what are some reasons why you would say, yeah, you probably don't need a trust? Uh, that would not probably make sense for us to spend the money or whatever, to, the time to right. create that trust. Right. Yeah, well, that, that's a great question. And in fact, um, truly, this morning, I met with a, a, a new client, a married couple, and they thought they wanted to do a trust. And we talked it out and uh, we decided not to do it. It really wasn't necessary. And here's their classic example as to why a trust may not be necessary. 
you know, again, and this is the case with these people, they had three adult children, all, you know, in their 30s and 40s, all doing well in life, no concerns, you know, happy marriages and all of that. And the clients felt quite comfortable with just leaving everything to the three children, you know, if they both died, the, the clients outright. And um, they did not see a need to, to do a trust. Also, the vast majority of their assets were actually non-probate. And this kind of gets back to Murr's question a moment ago about probate. You know, I said in that answer that probate deals with transferring assets, but as you all know, there's a lot of assets that transfer already outside probate. Usually retirement accounts is the big example. IRAs and 401ks and things like that, annuities, life insurance, those assets don't go through the will. They go by the beneficiary form. So these particular clients this morning, the bulk of their wealth was in non-probate assets already um, that they left to the kids. Their probate estate was quite minimal. It was their house and their cars and a small bank account. So they just did not feel, and I agreed, that the trust really was overkill for them. Um, but it really comes down to the kids, you know, uh, or the ultimate beneficiaries as to whether or not, you know, a trust is necessary. I mean, I've got some clients who've got 20-year-old kids who are very mature and 50-year-old kids who are not so mature. <laughs> so you really have to ask the clients about the family and, and, the, and the dynamics to see if a trust makes sense. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not as simple. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's not as simple as just coming up with the idea of drawing up the trust. So getting the document made and then naming the beneficiary or multiple beneficiaries. There's one key component in there as well, which is the person who's going to carry out your wishes after you have passed. And that's a trustee. Hence the yep. name you, you have, you've entrusted them to carry out the document that you've come up with. And, and I mean, I'm sure you have plenty of stories, but I mean, that's a, that's a big thing to think about as well. Who is going to do that and who's going to honor what you've come in, uh, what you've come up with on this document. Um, so, you know, if you don't have that, well, then what do you do? If you don't have a person that you can just say, Hey, do you, can you be my trustee? What's another option there? Right. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point. And honestly, that question of the trustee is is very difficult for a lot of people to to um, decide upon because, you know, these other roles in back to those three documents you mentioned merge the power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney and the will and in the will you have the executor, all of those three roles are generally fairly short term. You know, maybe someone might need to act as power of attorney for a, a month or even maybe a couple of years or something, perhaps if someone is declining in health. An executor handles the probate in North Carolina and most probates in North Carolina don't take an extraordinary long period of time. But imagine you set up a trust for kids who are currently in, in their teens and the trust is, says, hold it in trust you know, pay for their college, pay for their health expenses and all of that, but we don't want them to get it until they turn 35. Well, that trust could be around for decades. Um, and that trustee, so to your point, Mers, that trustee, that's a vital position because not only are they in charge of managing and investing the trust assets, but they're also going to be, going to be answering requests for money because it's inevitable even if the trust says the kids don't get it till they turn 35, you know, a child is 28, they're going to come to the trustee and say, look, you know, because the trustees always can distribute as needed. The kid's going to say, you know what, trustee, I know you can distribute as needed. 
and I really need that um, $200,000 Ferrari. I just really need it. So can you please distribute that money to me? And the trustee may have to say no. You know, so sometimes one of my one, one thing I tell my clients is be aware that the trustee might become the most unpopular guy in the room. <laughs> you know, uh, that's a big that's a big topic. Yeah. So you, you mentioned it earlier uh, briefly and talking about the different types of trust. And we've had quite a few situations and this can vary as to the the details, but a lot of it around what you mentioned as a special needs trust. And the reality behind that is a couple of different things. One of those special needs, and, and, and I'm going to say things that you may say from a legal standpoint, it's not truly a special needs, but let's just go down the path of somebody who obviously has some mental issues, whatever it may be. They might actually get some money from the government. So I know that's a, a part of that. The other one could be um, a, a, a beneficiary, a child, whatever it may be that has severe addiction issues uh, and and there's concerns around this. So could you kind of walk us through what a special needs trust would encompass and and what that would do and why we need a special needs trust? Sure, sure. Yeah, another great question. So first of all, sort of from a technical standpoint, usually special needs trust, the actual term, is intended to be a trust for someone who has qualified for some kind of governmental benefit um, like Medicaid or Social Security Disability, because those benefits are often based on someone's financial eligibility. And so a special needs trust is drafted in a way to still provide some funds for that person, but yet at the same time, not disqualify them from those benefits. In other words, it doesn't count against them. Um, so that's, that's sort of the official special needs trust. And those are those have to be drafted very specifically to qualify as special needs trust. But to your other point, Raiden, then you can have sort of the unofficial special needs trust um, in the scenarios where someone is maybe has, a, has an addiction problem or is just not mature or, or who may have a medical situation that doesn't, it's not literally special needs, but yet they're just not able to, to handle the finances, let's say. Um, and so same, same principle applies is that, you know, a trust can be very beneficial to still allow that person to receive their fair share, but yet not just give it to them because I mean, the addiction example is a good, is a good example. And I've got a lot of clients who've got adult kids with addiction problems. And we know that if the child inherits their one half or one third or whatever, it'll be gone in inside of a year. Um, and the kid could, you know, cause great harm to himself or herself. So um, uh, that child's share would need to remain in a trust, you know, until we know they're clean or, or something. Uh, and we've drafted language that allows the trustee to make that determination if, you know, if they've achieved some level of sobriety. But uh, nevertheless, that's, that's really a great use of a trust. So you have sort of the official special needs and sort of the unofficial special needs, if you will. Gotcha. So yeah, Chess, I know you could talk trusts all day. Um, and uh, we've got some really good information here on this podcast. And I think you summed it up really well. If, you, if you're listening and you're thinking, you know, I've been thinking about a trust and whether or not I need one. I think Chess, when he opened up at the beginning, he said, well, I know where I want the money to go. But if there's a but in your mind, well, then maybe there is a conversation that needs to be had as to whether or not you need. And, you know, Chess said it himself, it's not always the case. He talked to someone today that they thought they needed one. They actually didn't. And so 
Um, it's always good to have that. So thanks a lot, Chess, for all your knowledge and information today. Um, I'm sure everyone will find it very beneficial. Great. Well, thank you again, Mers and Raiden, uh, both for having me on. It's always a great time. I enjoyed it very much. Hey, before we hop off uh, on this, uh, Chess, could you uh, could you just let our listeners know if they wanted to reach out to you or they wanted to get some uh, some legal help around these documents, what's the best way for them to do that in order to find out more or get more information or schedule an appointment? Sure, sure. Thank you. So two ways. They can call our main number, which is uh, 919-848-0420. That's one way. And just feel free to ask for me or my uh, assistant, and we'd be happy to talk to you. The other way is to go to our website, which is kirschlaw.com, K-I-R-S-C-H-L-A-W.com. You can find my page and send me an email. Fantastic. Well, again, as uh, Merce said, thank you so much. And uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. You bet. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.